We're going we're gonna to spend some time this morning in, in Psalm chapter 40. It's my personal favorite psalm, and, and um, we have a couple of times this year where we're going to be focusing in on the psalms, and so this morning I wanted to start with my favorite and share um, not only my heart with you, but what the Word of God teaches us in this psalm. And so, before I start, I just want to ask if I could just, I have a favor to ask of you, and that's this. I want you to suspend any judgment of me, suspend any hard feelings you may have, have of me, any, maybe you're irritated with me, I don't know, um, maybe I've offended you somehow, maybe you don't like what I'm going to say, and I want you to hear what the Word of God says and judge that according to Scripture. And so can we, can we do that? Can we do that? Okay. So I have some guys that are going to come in some contracts, and I'm going to ask you to sign that. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, I thought about this morning, and I thought, and it's been amazing that it's been prayed over me three times this morning that, that I would get out of the way and that God would speak um, through me. And so that's where my heart is and where I'd like to go this morning. Have you ever been lost? Have you ever been maybe out in the woods? Maybe before the days of GPS or even the days of GPS where you lose signal and you don't know where you're going. A few years ago, my wife and I were sitting at home and I get a call from my brother and he goes, "Uh, my daughter, my, excuse me, my brother's daughter, my niece, Kaylee, And then my son and his now wife and another friend, they had decided to go down to the river. And one person out of the four had gotten separated, and she had all the phones, and no one knew where they were. And they were lost. So I thought to myself, well, where did you go? This can't be that hard. Did you go on the river? No, we didn't go on the river, but we're lost. And so... It's evening time when I get this phone call. It's the middle of summer, but it's like 8 o'clock. And so darkness is coming soon, in an hour or so. And we set out. My brother picks me up, and we we go. They went over here to Arden Arden Pond. And uh, we're looking around. We can't find anybody. Finally, I get a phone call from a number I don't know, and it's my son on the other line. He's like, Dad, I don't know where we are. I'm like... Well, okay, well, let's try to get a little more specific on your location. He says, well, the guy's phone I'm borrowing, he says we're in Rancho Cordova right now. (laughs) And in my head, I can't understand how they went from this side of the river to the other side of the river without getting on the water. They don't remember going across the bridge, but they did go across the bridge. And so as darkness came, we still hadn't found them, and we make our way down there, and we, my brother and I decided we're just going to walk all over the area until we find them. And eventually we, we find them, and they're all relieved because all kinds of crazy stuff goes down at the river when night falls. And uh, they were found. I thought of that as I was preparing for this message. My wife reminded me of that story, and I just, it makes me laugh every time. Like, how do you not remember walking across a bridge? Uh, <laughs> it's like a pretty long bridge. <laughs> but anyhow, so I think we can all 
I, I couldn't admit, I couldn't remember, or maybe my mind refuses to admit a time when I've been lost. But, uh, you know, I'm sure it's happened. But we want to just, I just want to go into the word here, and, and Psalm 40 is really just a, kind of a roadmap in a lot of ways of the, of the Christian walk. And so we're going to walk through this, this psalm piece by piece, and we're going we're gonna to try to pull that out. Psalm, psalm 40, <clears throat> verse 1 through 3, says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and he heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay, and he set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. So as the worship pastor here, you can understand why I love this. You know, it's talking about hymns, and it's talking about singing. And so I just, I love that. But, but obviously it's deeper than that, because that's the picture of the sinner who is saved through faith in Christ, right? It immediately brings up 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Look, new things have come. It brings to mind the parable of the, the wise man who built his house on the rock, right? That firm foundation that he's, he's giving us. He's given us. Verse 3, many will see and fear and put their trust in God. How happy is the man who puts his trust in the Lord and is not turned to the proud or to those who run after lives. So here's that indication of what path are you on? Like, where, where are we going? David's making the case that that's where true happiness, that that's where true joy is, is depending on God. And the one who is not planted on that firm foundation, he's, he runs after, ultimately lies. Amen? I can speak with certainty that we've all been the latter in that. We've all chased after what's not true and listened and believed the lies of the enemy. But there's many in this room, praise God, who have not only put their faith in God, but have trusted in all he is and all he's promised to be. Verse 5, Lord my God, you have done many things. Your wonderful works and your plans for us, none can compare with you. If I were to report them and speak of them, they are more than, the, than can be told. Remember the Bible tells us that when the earth was formed, when creation was taking place, that it was the Son of God, it was Jesus whose word was, was making that happen. Hebrews 1.3 tells us the Son, Jesus, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. 
After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of, on high. So the Son not only created everything that we have, everything that we are, us, through the power of his word, but he sustains all things and he holds it all together in his perfect plan, in the Father's will. Nothing can disrupt his perfect will. Nothing can side rail um, the ultimate glory that God is working out for himself. But not only did he do that, but of course, he came and he lived as a human. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And made the sacrifice that needed to be made for sinners so that we could have a relationship with God. And we will get into that a little more in just a bit. But now he's sitting down next to the Father. I love that image. He's not sitting down because he's lazy or because he doesn't want to do anymore. He's sitting down because the work's finished. He's sitting down because he has paid the permanent sacrifice. Verse 6. You did not delight in sacrifice and offering. You opened my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Then I said, See, I have come. It is written about me in the volume of scroll. I, I delight to do your will, my God. Your instruction lives within me. Charles Spurgeon says about this passage, this, these verses right here. He says, Here we enter upon one of the most wonderful passages in the whole of the Old Testament. A passage in which the incarnate Son of God is seen not through a glass darkly, but as if we were face to face. This is really the first major time in the Old Testament where we really see what Hebrews would go on to explain about the Old Covenant being obsolete eventually. David still lived in that Old Covenant, old covenant system where the daily sin offerings the purification that had to be constantly paid for people to be right with God the priest to go into the holy of holies every year to make the petitions to God to ask for the forgiveness of sin but a new covenant was coming and David through the inspiration of the holy spirit was given that Because these, these words are not only true about David personally, that, that he is there, God had made him a king, had put him in a place of honor. But this was a prophecy about Jesus who had come many years after David 
had passed away. Why do we need, why do we need that, that covenant? Why do we need a, a perfect sacrifice? If you spend any time in the Old Testament, one of the things that stands out to you is how incredibly specific these sacrifices and, and offerings had to be. It had to be a perfect, a perfect one-year-old lamb or goat. It, you know, things had to be done at the right times by the right people. There wasn't any room for error. God took it very seriously. But yet, even through all those rituals of doing the right things, the things that God had instructed his people to do, it was a temporary thing. They could not have what we as believers have, the joy and the contentment in knowing that our sins are forgiven. And there's nothing that can take that away. There's not a time limit. God doesn't forgive us and then after 10 years tell us we need to be forgiven again. I'm grateful for that. I'm a sinful man still and I will be until I am with him. And sometimes I think about how much time I would have to spend at the temple if I was born in Old Testament times. I mean, it's... It's a lot. But this law was set up, these rules were set up to show that they just couldn't be attained, right? That's the, that's the, the bottom line. We can't, we can't obtain perfection. We can't do enough to make ourselves right with God. There had to be a perfect sacrifice, and that was Jesus. In Hebrews 10, the writer reinforces this, this prophecy. He, he quotes from it. I'm going to read that here. It's in Hebrews 10, verse 5, Therefore, as he was coming into the world, he said, You did not want sacrifice or offering, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then I said, see, it is written about me in the volume of the scroll. I have come to do your will, God. After he says above, you did not want to delight in sacrifices and offerings, whole burnt offerings and sin offerings, which are according to the law. He then said, see, I've come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. It wasn't that David didn't understand the, the covenant that God had prescribed for his people. He understood what was required of him, but the Holy Spirit inspired him to understand and to write down that that's, that's not what God really wants. God doesn't want the ritual. He wants obedience. He wants our lives. He takes away the first to establish the second by this will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. 
once and for all. Verse 9. I, I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed, as you know, Lord. I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. Sorry. Does God know that about David? Did, Did David have to tell God that he was not shy about telling about God's mercy? David was very grateful. David knows what God did for him. David knows the depth of his depravity, the depth of, depth of his sin. But that is there, I believe, for us as, as the body to, as, as, a, as a reminder that we aren't to keep quiet. We're not, we're not to keep secret the gift that he's giving us, given us. If you are truly a redeemed follower of Jesus Christ, if you've put your trust and faith in him, then you have something that can't be measured, can't be quantified. There's no, there's no way to, to make up perfection when you start with imperfection. There's no way to attain holiness when we start as a sinner outside of Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage you, or maybe challenge you, all of us, to share that with those around us, with the the people that God has placed in our lives, the individual spheres of influence that we have, the people at work, the people in our families, whether they know Jesus or not. To live out to live out that faith. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, he says, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Um, many of you in this room know, <coughs> know my family know my, and have known us for years. Two of you have raised me. Uh, my parents are here, if you didn't get that. 
And uh, many of you have walked the Christian walk with us uh, for many years now. And so for those who know and for those who don't, um, uh, September 2020 was a, was a really hard, hard month for us. Um, we have three boys in our middle son, Austin. He took his own life on September 8th. And we've been walking through that. I don't bring that up um, I don't bring that up for any shock value or to get your attention. In fact, all of you look like you're still awake, so we're doing good. Appreciate you uh, agreeing to the contract that we talked about beforehand. But I don't bring that up because of the hurt and the sadness that came from that. It was a deep wound for, one, for many of us, amen? But something happened through that. I was able to see that the, the church not only this church, but those around. I got to see the body of Christ shining a light so bright. The level of care and compassion and love poured out on my family was it, there's really not a description it was amazing my wife and I have talked many times about the idea that I wish I could have seen something like this in someone else's life because I didn't obviously want to go through that. I don't want to go through what I'll go through the rest of my life knowing that one of my boys is not here anymore. But God used people to come and, and mourn with us, to be with us, to take care of things for us, he used people to speak the truth of God's word into our lives. He used the youth of this church to take care of my grandkids so that we could mourn as adults. And to give them that distraction that they needed. He gave us everything we needed. And continues to do that. Amen is right.
But that's what the world can offer. The world can offer thoughtful people. People can be thoughtful. But it's not sustainable without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's just not. It's just not. And so as I prepared for this, that just, that story kept coming up and I just thought, we need to hear when we're doing right and we need to be challenged when we're not. And we can really, really mess up and we can really fail in our sin and the way we treat people can be so hurtful and cause so much damage. But he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Verse 11 Lord, do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me. For troubles without numbers have surrounded me. My sins have overtaken me, and I am unable to see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my courage leaves me. Lord, be pleased to deliver me. Hurry to help me, Lord. Let those who seek to take my life be disgraced and confounded. Let those who wish to harm me be driven back and humiliated. Let those who say to me, Aha! Aha! Be horrified because of their shame. And then he says, Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say the Lord is great. I, I'm afflicted and I'm needy. What does he say next? The Lord thinks of me. He thinks of you. Without failing. Constantly, every minute of the day. You are my helper and my deliverer, my God. Do not delay. We can run the gambit on what we're living with, what we're going through. From, from pain, from, from childhood to adulthood, to relationships we're in now, to the sin that we commit. David really kind of touches on a lot of it, right? He talks about those who are after him, but he talks about his own sin and how it weighs him down. Lincoln, can I ask you a question? I promised him right before I would not call him out, and you're doing great. I just don't have my notes correct. 
is, can you put up the first question, please? I thought I had it on my notes, and I don't. Thank you. So I just want to leave you with a couple thoughts, with a couple questions to ponder. Is do, do I know where I should go? It's kind of a two-part question, I think. If you truly repented for your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you, you kind of know where you're going, but you maybe don't know how to get there or maybe forget. We put our, our four E's, which used to be up there, but then I, <laughs> I wanted to put the cross there. But we have our, our four E's. Are they somewhere in the room, Kirk? Oh, okay, around the back side. Well, but here at Crossroads, we, we have this commitment to equip, encourage, empower, and engage. And that comes from the Great Commission. Go into all the, worth, all the world and teach the gospel of Jesus. Teaching them everything I've commanded you, and I don't have it written down. <laughs> Baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them everything I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the, the age. That's, our, that's our, our mission. That's what we're supposed to be as followers of Christ. We live here on this earth, but our, our focus, our perspective needs to be the idea that we are not of this world. We have a future and a hope in Jesus. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't even know Jesus personally. So I just want to lay this out. As clear as I can. That there is a God. He's perfect. He's eternal. He has three distinct persons. Same God. Three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit. Because he's a holy God. And we are born into sin. We have no right and no way to have a relationship with him. But God made a way. And it was through the perfect sacrifice of his son Jesus who came, lived the life of a human, faced every temptation, yet did not sin. He was crucified, died a horrible death, he was buried, making payment for that sin, and then in three days rose again, conquering death, so that one day all who put their faith in him would be able to be with him in eternity. So if you don't know who that Jesus is, there's going to be an opportunity in a little while for prayer. I'm happy to talk to you after. In fact, can I have... The elders stand up, please, in the room. 
any of the elders would be happy to have that conversation with. If you need to know who Jesus is and you want to, to experience that. Thank you, guys. And so, with that, let's pray. We're just going to continue to bring our lives before the throne of God in worship. Jesus, we thank you that you are in control, that you have perfectly executed the Father's will, that you have made it possible for us to be co-heirs with you, adopted by the Father into the family of God. We thank you that you've left your spirit here to be with each one of us, to give us everything we need to live a life that you've called us to. We thank you for the way you love us. We give you all glory and praise because you are deserving and you're worth it. And you're a good and gracious king. We thank you and we praise you in your name. Amen.